Welcome to the Behavioral Grooves Podcast. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. We interview interesting people in order to unlock insights into behavioral science and how we can apply them to work in life, except today. Except today, because today we are doing our third grooving session, Tim. Dig it. And those grooving sessions are where Tim and I dissect a topic uh, that we find interesting, and hopefully you will find interesting as well. But it is just Tim and me grooving away, talking about what we know or what we don't know. Dissecting takes me right back to eighth grade science and pulling a frog apart and just hoping there wouldn't be any blood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. So we are. What are we going to dissect today, Tim? Let's dissect cash versus non-cash. Ooh, this is a topic that you and I are very, very familiar with. It is what yeah. we have done a lot of work with, particularly you. I am more on the periphery of this, but Ooh. you have done. A lot of work on Dissecting and periphery in the same conversation. <laughs> wow. Hey, I, I get the Merriam Dictionary word of the day every day <laughs> on, my, on my computer. It's one of my favorite little emails that I get. It's, oh, there's a new oh, word. Oh, it's a new word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna, <laughs> but I'm, we, we, uh, we digress. Digress. There's another <laughs> word. All oh, right. Okay, so, so the question is, is it, is it appropriate or when is it appropriate to use non-cash rewards in, as, as a reward mechanism, not, not pay, right? right? Compensation, like my mortgage doesn't get paid with points. My mortgage gets paid with cash. Right. So we need cash to live. Right. There needs to be base compensation. In the total reward story, got to have, got to have cash. And it, this is then a component where it is above and beyond that normal compensation, your annual pay, right. even your quarterly bonus or commission checks on that to, to right. degree. Not, okay. not getting into that knitting. Okay. This could be for salespeople achieving certain things, especially spiffs, contests, things like that. Okay. And it could also be rewards for employees in um, uh, to be recognized okay. uh, for uh, achievements, whether they're small achievements or large achievements. Okay. So... So, Tim, help us understand. So with all of the research that's been done on this and in some of the research that you have done specifically, what are some of the, the reasons why or when would you use cash versus a non-cash? Or would you, let's reverse that. When would you use non-cash uh, type of reward as opposed to a cash reward? Um, there's two primary environments. In the sales environment and in sales incentives, Non-cash works best in short-term incentives. Okay. So it's not it's not intended to be a year-end bonus, uh, but as a reward, it can work really, really well in short bursts. And what is a short burst? Well, up uh, 30, 60, maybe 90 days. Okay. Not longer than that. Uh, beyond that, it's 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 too hard to focus. In fact, I wouldn't recommend having a contest for anything longer than 90 days. If you're if you're at Boeing and you're selling airplanes and your sales cycle is six years. Don't run a spiff, <laughs> you know, because it it it, it won't help. Uh, let's let's just say not that. a sales spiff, not a sales spiff. Right, yes. you could do some spiffs or some contests on different behaviors and various different things. Is a that correct? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. On steps to the sale, for right. instance, that, okay. uh, most definitely. And uh, so, sales incentives is, is the first, and the second would be, or or that could work with your channel, your distribution channel. That would be fine too. But in in the world of employees, in the world of recognition. 
uh, non-monetary rewards are great because they remove the um, the financial element. They take the calculativeness out of the uh, out of the recognition. And and why is taking that calculation out of the equation important? So uh, I'm going to refer to a couple of pieces of of, um, of research. One was a, a really great paper. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> Research really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Dan Ariely and James Heyman wrote, uh, and I've, I've referred to this before. One of I think the seminal pieces in the body of work around awards, right. and and this was this was the tale of two markets. Okay, and in that paper they talked about how. Uh, what they discovered was that there is a, a financial market and there is a social market. Okay. So we have a financial exchange that's calculative and calculable, and and we do things for money. And then in the social exchange, we kind of go above and beyond. That exists, and and at work, it's it's complicated, right? Because because we we have a paycheck that gets us up and gets us out of bed and gets us to work in the morning. On the other hand, when when a, a coworker comes to me and says. Hey Tim, you know I've got this question on Excel. I don't say, "Well, I'm billing out at 240 bucks an hour. Right. Um, how much time do you want?" Right. No, there's a social exchange there. So both coexist at work. And going back to the Ford Drive model, if you look at that from that perspective, right? You have the acquire and achieve component, and then that's the bond and belong component. Bonding and belonging. So we need I that. Think that. Yeah, there's that need, and so it drives. Uh, a different motivational factor, and it, it it acts in a different way than that financial component. All right, so fantastic. We understand uh, when uh, these two different sides. You know, you have the sales side, and in, in in that component, you have the employee component. What are some other factors? Yeah, one more note though on on this idea of the social exchange. When you're recognizing someone, when you're giving them uh, a pat on the back at work. Doing so in money creates a calculative mindset. Mm. Uh, Ron Kivitz was really strong on this. He's at Columbia, and uh, I really encourage you reading his work on uh, pre-commitment to luxuries, okay. uh, which is really great. But Ron talked about a, a, this calculative mindset as being just really detrimental to the to the culture of an organization. It turns people into coin-operated doobies. I'll only do this if I get you know, X yeah. amount or wow, you're really discounting my work because you gave me a $10 gift card as right. opposed to, or $10 in cash when I worked an hour or something for that. So now you're valuing your, that, that person is interpreting the cash reward as a value statement on themselves to some and, degree. And that, and really it starts to suck. I mean, imagine going to a, a dinner party with a bottle of wine for the host and leaving the price tag on it. <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> Why in the world would we say, I value coming to your party to the tune of about $9.78? That was the how much your wine? <laughs> I thought that was a $30 bottle. Did, oh my gosh, Tim. Is, did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did. That yeah. was nice. All right. Uh, we digress again. Yeah. So, okay, I'm sorry. So your, your, your second question. Uh, I was asking, so what are some of the other factors that come into play? I know we interviewed Scott Jeffries, and he has yeah. done a lot uh, of work on this. And so Scott Jeffrey, excuse me, um, he's done a lot of work on this. What are some of his insights into the, the non-cash versus cash component? He has. Scott's done a great amount of work in this area. And, and he's got three sort of... Um, 
sort of it's the three legs of the stool that I think are really important. And he talks about sociability, this this aspect uh, that that Dan Ariely and James Heyman uh, discovered that the social aspect of a reward is really is really positive. We're much more willing to to show off the new grill uh, if uh, if if we earned it with points or it was given to us by by our company in recognition than if we just went out and bought it. Ah. If we just go out and buy a new grill, well, we just spend our own money on the new grill. But if we if if if, if it's a reward, uh, we're much more willing to have the neighbors over and show it off and say, "Hey, check out my new grill! Isn't it cool?" And, and we we'll wouldn't talk about, talk about that five hundred dollars that we earned that we then spent on that new grill. But it yeah. but by getting the grill, we now have something that we can socialize and talk about or the big screen TV or the trip to, uh, you know, San Diego, whatever that right. would be. It becomes an object that we can then talk about and have some bragging rights to. Yeah. Well, and I think this gets back to, um, uh, Ed, uh, Dina's work on Diener's work on happiness and how we don't, we really don't express our happiness with the wealth itself, with the money, we express it with things. Oh, we we demonstrate our wealth by by uh, having uh, new things in our home, or uh, taking more extravagant vacations, okay. uh, or being able to take time to go to yoga three times a week. That's 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 a sign of wealth, and that's much more sociable uh, than it is otherwise. But you had asked about Scott, right? So, so the sociable aspect is the first part. The second part is separability. That um, and this kind of gets back to um, to Richard Thaler okay. and mental accounting. Oh yes, where where the money, the you know again the, this is the um, take the take the bottle of wine to the party, and we take the label off. We're trying to separate the the item itself from the cash value, and when we do that, we experience things differently. Okay, right? how does that work? Well, so it's not that we we don't know the price of of everything. We we actually have a pretty good idea about about a lot of prices. Yeah, but I knew that bottle of wine. <laughs> Did you know that? Probably closer to the ten dollar range than the but you fifty dollar. You range. still liked it. I did. You still liked it. So when when we when we intentionally separate the um, the the dollar value from the reward, it actually allows us to focus on the item itself rather than on the cash value. Oh. Interesting. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I okay, so okay, so what's his third part? So the third part is justifiability. Okay. Yeah, and this gets into an aspect that you like to talk about in hedonic luxuries. Right. Right. Yeah, and so the justifiability component is, and it goes back again to Thaler and his mental accounting, right? Where we put, if we earn a thousand dollars, that money gets automatically just in our brains put into separate accounts like oh well i should put two hundred dollars away of this for our savings plan because we usually put 20 percent in savings and but we don't well, we don't <laughs> and, then, and then i should have some part because i got the car that needs new tires and then wow i have four hundred dollars left that i might be able to spend on myself and the justifiability component comes into if you're given an award uh or a non non-cash merchandise and it has some luxury component on it there's no guilt associated with you earning that there isn't oh i should have put that you know some of that money away and done this and i always talk about 
you know, if I'm out buying a, a new driver for my golf game, right? I'm not a big golfer, but hey, I'm getting a little better, just a little. Um, and I want to go to the next level and I want to get that new new driver and I can buy a, a driver for $600, right? But there's another driver that's right next to it that's for $150. Uh, I would really like that $600 driver, but in my head, I know I should probably just buy the $150 because driver. you can't justify spending $600 on it. Exactly. That is just outlandish. However, if that is the award that I get for completing this contest, or it's one of the awards that I get to choose from, I don't have that guilt. I do not have the guilt component. Right. And so it's it's about hedonic luxuries. And so hedonic isn't hedonism. So yeah. we're, I, I thought we were talking about that, that, that place in Jamaica. No, no, it's not the place in Jamaica. Oh, it has okay. nothing to do with that. Okay. It is about, uh, it, it gets into the justifiability component. It is those awards that you wouldn't normally spend, luxurious components that you don't normally spend on yourself. And I, I bring in an, an example all the time. Uh, working with a, a pharmaceutical company, they ran a, an annual contest that was a short-term contest, uh, but they, they ran it and they had different merchandise pieces up there. And the, the director of Incentive Comp always wanted to take out this one merchandise piece, which was a washer and dryer set, a high-end washer and dryer set. He said, Why? we're giving big screen TVs and these bike packages and all the stuff. Well, who would ever want this? It was the number one redeemed <laughs> merchandise every year we ran the program. <laughs> I and that. I attributed that to this justifiability component because it probably had some bells and whistles I don't remember, probably steam dry, all those kind of things. But you know what? If I'm going to go buy a washer and dryer set, that's one of those places where I'm definitely not going to spend the extra you know, five hundred, six hundred dollars on those those bells and whistles, right? I'm going to get that... You know, medium line sure. does a good job. Sensible, sensible, right? Yeah, you're not you're not going to go the extra mile. I actually did some work with Maytag. It's funny that you bring this up, and they said that when uh, people acquired these really high end, uh, top of the line, super streamlined, super yeah. cool, you know, uh, washer dryer sets, they actually invited people into their home to look at it. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. again, it's, it's it can these, happen. These these pieces of it. So those yes. are the three pieces. So there's a uh, sociability, separability, and justifiability. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. I, I also mentioned uh, Ron Kivitz's work on pre-commitment to luxury. This right. is something that uh, you, when you were talking about this idea that you, if you're going to get the thousand dollar bonus, you start parsing it out into well, six hundred dollars is going to go to the credit card and four hundred dollars to the kids' braces, and well, I guess there really isn't going to be anything left over for me. But if if it's in the form of, well, we're just going to get, you know, um, the wife and I are going to take a trip. Right. Because that's what the company is giving us. We're just going to we're going to have to take the trip. Then you don't have to worry about uh, dealing with the guilt. And mm. and then you can say, OK, I'm I'm going. This is going to be something that I can look forward to. I can enjoy it. I can enjoy the anticipation and then I can enjoy the experience of it. Wow. Yeah. So that and that's an important psychological component to what makes a reward a reward. Right. And what then drives the motivation to achieve that reward, which is some of the research that I know you've done where you have compared cash versus non-cash on actual performance increases. We have. And different things. And typically when you do that, what's the outcome? 
the, you know, the outcome is inevitably that the non-cash rewards outperform from a motivation and results perspective, they outperform the cash awards. Even when people, if you ask them in advance, as we've talked about many times, would you, typically pick give me the cash. Even afterwards. <laughs> even even after they earned the crockpots and and uh, bicycles and we send them a survey and say, "Well, just out of curiosity, you earned crockpots and bicycles, would you rather have had the cash?" and they say, "Yes, yeah. I would rather have the cash." And yet their performance, their performance, the actual ability to deliver more productivity on the job increased more with the non-cash. Wow. Wow. All right. So, so with that, do we want to summarize what we talked about here? So we started off talking about some of the insights of when to use cash versus when not to or when to use non-cash. Yes. And we're not talking about replacing people's pay or major uh, components that they depend upon for yeah. their mortgage, their car payment, the, the things that we need for life. And those are still motivating. Don't get us wrong. I am, I'm a big believer that, you know, bonuses, cash incentives that are an annual basis or quarterly basis can be very powerful motivators. What we're talking about, though, are those short-term contests, uh, either in a, in a uh, sales organization, uh, uh, or recognition. Or recognition. Could, it, could be, it could be recognition, which you might accumulate over a longer period of time. Okay. You, you might not have a contest for recognition. In All fact, right. recommend against a contest for All recognition. Right. All right. Okay. So that, that going into place. Then we talked about uh, just the, 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 science. Two, the, the two parts of this, right? There's the economic transaction and then the, the social, social transaction from Dan Ariely and, and uh, James Heyman. Yeah. Uh, that. Then we talked about the three components from... Uh, Scott Jeffrey. Scott Jeffrey in sociability, separability, and justifiability. Brought in some components from Ron Kivitz in some of the pre-commitment to pre luxury. Pre-commitment to luxury, and we also brought in some uh, components from Thaler and mental account uh, mental accounting. Yeah, and if wow, you, we brought in research. That's our gig. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And if you so if if listeners, if you have questions, uh, please uh, jump out to the behavioralgrooves.com website. Fill in the form. Send us a note. We'd be happy to, to get back to you. Yeah, be happy to answer any questions. We we geek out about the stuff, and uh, we will answer your inquiries, whether you put it in thebehavioralgrooves.com or in the show notes down here and any comments yep. that you have from the, the different things. And, hey, we're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify. Yeah. Whatever that means. I don't know. I don't know what it yeah, means. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, but... but uh, if you like what we're doing, you want this to continue, uh, share it with a friend, give us a, a review. If you could write a review, Tim did some interesting research we'll talk about at some point about why people write reviews and their their actual personality profiles that go along yeah, with that. Yeah. So if you want to hear about that, write us a review so we can t continue doing this. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. Adios. Adios.